0: Our Heavenly Father God, we praise you this morning. We believe, God, that your loving kindness is better than life. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to taste and to see that you are good. God, we bow before you and we remember the words of Job that the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. We ask for the grace to say, Blessed be your name. God, thank you that you care so much for Lynn and for Moses. God, thank you that you are not a God who is distant from our sorrows. I pray that you, the God of all comfort, would comfort Lynn and Moses this morning. God, I pray for those here in this room maybe carrying burdens just as heavy, just as crushing. God, I pray that your comfort, your peace would be real. God, would you help us use us as part of your body to care for the parts of the body that are hurting? Lord God, I praise you that we believe in the resurrection. And we can trust you with all life. We can trust, God, that you are at work even in the circumstances that cause us the deepest pain. So, Father God, be our light, be our hope, be our strength, be our salvation. Be the strong tower we can run to and be safe. Be our redeemer, be our light. Shine upon us now, God, that we could reflect your light. Give us grace to walk with you. God, instruct us now from your word, we ask and pray in Jesus' name, amen. So for the past four weeks, if you've been here, we've been kind of talking about this this verse, this idea of loving God and loving others. We wanted that to be a big deal. I mean, after all, Jesus said this is the first and the greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God. We just read that. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. So to love God and love others, and we've talked about that We've not exhausted the subject. We could probably spend the next 48 Sundays just digging deeper into this. Perhaps we should. Because you need to understand that this is, this is the bedrock. This is the foundation of our faith. This is like really important. I mean, why, why do we do what we do? I mean, why should we do things? What is the very starting point of of your faith, of my faith? What's going to matter in a hundred years? Friends, the answer to that question, to all these questions, is the love of God. The love of God. You see, God's word says we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. 1 John 4.19 It's not merely that God is loving us or God loves. 1 John also states very clearly that God is love. It is in essence who God is. God is love. In fact, if you want to cook Christianity down, if we could distill the message of the Bible, if we could say, what, what is the very essence of faith in God according to the Bible? Like, if we could sift it all down, we said, we're going to get down to the very, very basic elements, what would we have? Two things two statements that we find in the book of 1 John God is love and God is light the holiness of God and the love of God this is the foundation this is this is the essentials we if we can believe God. If we're going to believe and trust him, we need to know these two things. God is completely good. God is love. And he's absolutely holy. We want to hold on to both of these. It's not an either-or. It's a both-and. And we want to embrace this passionately, fervently, that our God is holy that our God is love. In fact, he's loved us with an everlasting love. A love so much higher, so much better, so much more pure, so much deeper than anything that we can find on this earth. But maybe, maybe you have your doubts. Maybe you're thinking, well, God's love seems distant how has God loved me? You may well ask. Can we consider that for this morning? Let's think this through. How has God loved you? How has God loved me? Well, number one, he created you. He created you. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are his workmanship. God's special design Friends, you realize you are one in at least eight billion? That's kind of rare. I mean, you would think with eight billion people around, there might be like four or five Jeffs running around or, you know, a couple Alexanders. Same name, but different people. It's not like, oh yeah, you're one of 200. There's eight variations on the human earth. No, 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 no. God, the uniqueness. This talks about God's splendor and and the the amazingness. We're all unique. We're created for good to do good because we're loved. Number two, I can say that God loves me. How has God loved me? He cares for me. He cares for you. 1 Peter 5, 7 has this amazing promise. He says, cast all your cares upon him. Whatever care you have this morning, it is not too big. It is not too small. God says, I will take them all. Why? Because I care for you. Whatever care you have, this this is the amazingness of God, friends. Your care could be you lost your favorite Pokemon card. And you know what? That matters to God. It could be that you lost your job. You lost your spouse. It could be the greatest gulf in the world. God knows. He cares. He's given us food, health, strength, air, minds, friends, family, creation. We have received his goodness, his grace. But You might think, well, yeah, but... I don't know. I got problems, challenges. I, I have heartaches that you have no idea. I have addictions. I have weaknesses. I have brokenness. I have anxiety. Yeah, you do. You're not alone. In fact, all of us do. Yet, God still loves us. Chew on this. God loves us in our brokenness and our infirmities. Think about this for a second. What if your challenges, your brokenness, were allowed by God so that you would see your neediness? And could seek his help and his grace and his power. Maybe your weakness and your struggles are a bigger gift than your strengths. And the strengths you perceive, you perceive or covet in others. You see, God loves us, warts and all. He doesn't love us because we're perfect or because we do everything right. You see, it's the nature of God to love unconditionally. And not only does God know about our weaknesses and struggles, they're no surprise. You cannot surprise God. You tell God something, it's not like God is shocked, okay? But he doesn't just know about these things in your life, friends. He understands them. That's number three. God loves us By knowing us. In the ladies Bible study, they're they're going through the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4 has this amazing description of God. God. God's word tells us we have a sympathetic high priest. It says that he's touched with our infirmities. Do you get this? God doesn't just know about your heartache. He feels your heartache. He understands He knows what it's like to be anxious. He knows what it's like to be alone. He knows what it's like to be abandoned. He feels that. You see, because you are loved. That is the love of God. How does God love you? He created you. He cares for you. He knows you. Intimately. It's the very nature of God to love unconditionally. That means God always desires our highest good. How do we know this? Well, lastly, point number four. He died for you. This is our memory verse from last year. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The word of God says, you want to see God's love? Look at the cross. Think about that verse one more time. Let that sink into your heart, your mind. Jesus Christ chose the cross to hang naked and humiliated because he loves you. Hear the text again. God says he shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners. Friends, God died for the worst version of you. Not the nice happy version. He died for you in your sin, in your brokenness, in your rebellion, in your worthless self-righteousness, in your rejection of him. That is the cross. I know this is a long introduction, but friends, we don't ever want to get over this. Don't ever get over the fact of how enormous God's love is because it's not just a starting point of our faith. It's where we start, it's where we we walk, it's where we're going, it's what we where we're heading. This is why Paul, Paul when he's praying for the church in Philippians, he says, "This is my prayer for you all, chapter 1. I pray that your love would abound more and more because we need this love. A love for God love for others. So today we're going to talk about discipleship. Discipleship as a means of loving God, but also of loving others. So where do we go with this? I guess this is part four, like I said this idea of loving God and loving others. Part one, if you were here first week of January, my exhortation was loving God through personal worship and fellowship with God. Remember that? That's why, we, that's why I got this booklet for you. Because sometimes we struggle with this. Getting alone with God, taking the time, prioritizing God. This booklet will help you with this. You see, you and I, we must regularly worship God and fellowship with him. To set time aside daily with him. Not just something to check off. Oh yeah, I read my Bible. But to meet with God. To commune with God. Have you done that this week? Have you eaten? Have you fed your soul? What, What have you fed your soul? Jesus told us we can't live on bread alone. Part two, we talked about loving God and loving others by proclaiming him, sharing our faith. Because why? Because God is worthy of our praise. This perfect God, all holiness, all love, is worthy of praise. It's the right response. We want to join the rest of creation because all of creation praises God. There's only two parts of God's creation that don't. The human race and the fallen angels. God is worthy of our praise. And so we share our faith. We want others to do what they were created to do. Those who don't know God, they don't know his forgiveness. They do not know his hope. They too can worship and know God. Part three, last week. Tom helped us understand the idea about loving God and others through hospitality. Extending the love of Christ to others. To people who are a part of the church, to people that are not part of the church, to people who who love Jesus, to people who don't know Jesus. By caring for them in practical ways. Generosity. Sharing a meal. Showing care. Listening. Listening you know these things they 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 we would like these we hope these are a regular part of our lives we want to grow into these things and if they're not if these things are not a regular part of your life please for the love of god don't just sit there don't just sit there feeling guilty feeling defeated Turn to somebody here in the fellowship and ask for help. I don't do this very well. Can you help me? Humble yourself. Say, I, I would like to do this better. I don't even know what this, humble, this hospitality thing is. I've never told anybody about Jesus in my life. I, I need some help. I never read my Bible. I don't even know where to start. Can we humble ourselves and say, I, I, I want to grow. I want to learn this. Ask somebody here. If they can't find you help, or if they can't help you, I think they can find somebody who can. So today, our remaining time, we're going to unpack this idea. How do we help each other? Loving God and loving others through discipleship. Now, before we unpack that, we should just ask the question, what is discipleship? Maybe if we begin by saying, some misunderstandings about discipleship. Could I just go over three, four real quick? Number one, discipleship is not an advanced degree for believers. Okay? A disciple is not someone who is super spiritual, quote, on fire, super committed, zealous. You do the word search yourself in the Bible, okay? Disciple. And believer, follower of Christ, they're used synonymously. A disciple is a follower of Christ, a believer, a child of God. It is not a super Christian. So there are two options on the table. Let's be clear. You are a disciple or you are unconverted. You are one or the other. I hope you know which one you are. That's what the Bible teaches. Number two, the emphasis of discipleship should not be on due or duty. It's altogether too easy to attempt to make the emphasis of following Jesus on, on our performance. Because there's many commands in the Bible that that do emphasize this. Jesus tells us we must take up our cross. Jesus tells us we must lose our life. Jesus tells us we must deny ourselves. Jesus tells us do not love the world. You see, these are commands we, we must obey. These aren't options. These aren't suggestions. But friend, where are you getting the power to do these things? Where do you get the power to do what God is commanding you? You know, I lived a good part of my early Christian life trying with all my heart to do these things. I would, I would try, but in my own strength. And I would fail, and I would try. I'd try a little harder, and I'd fail. And it would go on and on like that. But i was really serious so people would go oh wow joseph joseph's really serious believer he sold out and i would go inside "Ha, ah, thank you very much and that would just fuel my pride because on the outside i'm looking good but it wasn't getting to the inside that is what jesus wants He doesn't want your performance. He doesn't want a shiny, nice package on the outside and dead, rotting bones on the inside. Do you know that? Jesus wants our heart. He wants your heart. He wants to walk with you. He wants you to come to know him better, to trust him. And the power to do these things does not come from our determination. It's got to come from his spirit, from our dependence upon him. We hear words like radical or sold out or on fire. And the emphasis is almost always based on the exterior, what we do, a performance. Friends, that is a fast track, not to sold-out discipleship. That's, that's a fast track to Phariseeism. Really. Take my word for it. Because an emphasize on doing will almost always put self at the center. Think about it. When we say, oh wow, she is sold out. He's on fire for Jesus. Where does the emphasis go? He, she. You see, we want to put the emphasis upon Christ. we got to hurry. We'll never get done. One last thing. Discipleship number three is not limited to our minds. Another error we can simply slip into is emphasizing what we know. So then a a disciple is kind of understood as someone who, who reads all the good books. Listens to sermons. He knows all about the Bible or she knows all about the Bible. Oh, friends, these are good things. Read good books. Listen to the sermons in moderation. Study the Bible. But do not let the Bible become a textbook. Do not let your faith fill your head and never penetrate your heart. This too is an express lane to Phariseeism. And I've got that hat and I've got that t-shirt too. God save us from having a form of godliness but denying the power of it. Discipleship is not a super-Christian. It's not an emphasis on the exterior or performance. It's not not just this idea of a a student. Well, what is it then? Let me give you three raw ingredients to discipleship, okay? Three things. Very simple. We've already talked about two. The love of God. The holiness of God. And fellowship. Fellowship. Fellowship with God. That is discipleship. Discipleship is not based on what we do, but on what God has done. Discipleship is not based on, on what we know. It's based on who we know. Turn with me now to the book of 1 John. Some of you are nervous. You're thinking, wait, was that just his introduction? That's all right, you're not in a hurry, are you? How long is this message going to be? First John, chapter one. We're going to go over this quickly. Stay with me. First John chapter one, verse one. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon. And have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and we testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. Verses one and two. John is emphasizing that Jesus was real and that he had a real relationship with him. It was up close, it was near, it was personal. You say, well, good for John. John got to walk with Jesus. It would be different if I got to walk with Jesus too. But no, remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, blessed are those who believe, not those who see. You see, we have this opportunity to know Jesus as intimately as John by faith, by his word. So John's saying, we know this, the life, the everlasting life. And then verse 3, this is where I want to go. This, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we're writing these things so that our joy may be complete. John's saying, look, I have walked with Christ. I have seen him. I, I know who he is. I've got to experience this, this everlasting life, this eternal life. I know this. And I'm writing to you. You see, he said, he uses this word. I'm writing so that you too may have fellowship. Koinonia. It's a relationship. Jesus did not just download a PDF of all truth. Jesus came to dwell with us, incarnate. It was a relationship. It's what God has wanted since it was lost in the beginning. In Genesis chapter 3, God has wanted to walk with his people. He still does. And through Jesus Christ, we can. This word fellowship... Sometimes we really water it down because we have cookie, coffee, and tea, and we say we are having fellowship. No. It could be fellowship. You see, fellowship is when we gather around Jesus Christ. It's when when He is brought into our conversation. He's, he's a part of the fellowship. And we live life together. And he says, Look, I want, He says, I want you to have this fellowship with us because our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And I want you to know this. That's why I'm writing. I'm writing because this is going to make... Now, this verse is debated a little bit. Verse 4. And we're writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Some Bible verses say your joy. Whose joy is it? I don't know. Maybe it's both. Do you understand the joy of helping other people embrace and walk with Christ? It's extraordinary. What, what a privilege to see like lights come on for people to taste and see God's goodness. He's saying, I want that joy to be yours. But he's also saying, we have this joy and I don't want to keep it to myself. Friends, this is discipleship. It's us embracing God's love and God's holiness and walking with him. We're in fellowship with him, which means we're confessing when we fall short. We don't let sins pile up so they get between us and God. But then we, we look for opportunities to walk with somebody else and bring them into this walk. It's that simple. You don't need a degree. You don't need to know a whole lot. It's a beautiful message for us to understand that God is light and that God is love. And we have the opportunity to learn this more and more and more fully. And we have all that we need to know through his word and through his spirit. What what maybe does this look like in real life? I mean, maybe you're like, okay, that sounds nice, but what would that look like in a real day-to-day life? Well, friends, we just learned to ask some questions. This could get that ball rolling. What does it look like? How could that begin? Maybe questions that could, could, what do you say, promote this fellowship and this idea of discipleship kind of spreading could be as easy as, turning to somebody and saying, how, how has God encouraged you this week? Huh. Good question. What's something that God's been teaching you this week? What's, what's encouraged you from God's word this week? Have you had any encouragement? Have you opened the book? Uh, just curious. Have you had the opportunity to share Christ with anybody? Have you had any opportunity to talk with a coworker, a friend, a family member? Are you reading any good books lately? How is your fellowship with God? I think I told you this. You can even ask, like, I don't even like, I know. You can say, hey, how, what helps you prioritize your time alone in the day with God? Because I struggle with that. What helps you? Would you be willing to pray for me? This is an area of need in my life. It's just as simple as asking a couple questions. We don't have to know a lot. We want to encourage and take the little bit that we know and hopefully that produces a little bit more light. I think I've told you I had a friend when I was in America. He was an electrician. Gary. I'll never forget... The first time I saw Gary, Gary stops and says, So Joe, what's the Lord Jesus Christ been doing in your life? It's kind of like, whoa. (laughs) Didn't see that one coming. This is a great question. You should think about that. I should think about that. What is the Lord Jesus Christ doing in your life? Well, back in 2006. No, 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 no. Not in 2006. It's 2024. Today, this week, what has the Lord Jesus Christ been doing in your life? Friends, if that is a struggle for us, maybe we need to think, where am I spending my time? Where's my treasure? You know, Gary asked me that question every time I saw him. In fact, when I knew I was going to see Gary, I would think, huh, what has the Lord Jesus Christ been doing in my life? Because I know Gary's going to ask me. And you know what? That's how we provoke one another to love and good works. And he did. He would ask me. Friends, what has the Lord Jesus Christ been doing in your life this week? Have you met him? Have you spoken with him? Have you talked with him? Have you ignored him? He wants to be active in your life and mine. He wants to transform you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to share his light, his hope, his grace. In fact, he wants to shine in you and through you. If we don't know, if we've been just neglecting that, we should turn to him. Just like we would a friend. Have you ever been a bad friend? I sure have. Not kept up with somebody, been too busy. Hopefully, if we've been neglecting a relationship, we say, you know what, I am so sorry. I have been out of touch. I want to see you. I want to talk with you. I want to commune with you. Turn to God. Let him know. Oh, but friends, let this be active in our lives. Let's pray for one another that this is happening. Pray for me. And I'll be praying for you. What a great thing that we could love the Lord our God with all our heart. With all our soul. And all our mind. Friend, someday you are gonna do that. We will stand in his presence. We'll be able to do it. We won't be distracted. But friends, let's get close while we're here. Let's be gaining ground while we're here. Let's get closer. Let's let's, let's 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 see. Wow, I want to do this more in my life. Oh. Wow, what that would be. Christ in us the hope of glory. Let's pray. Forgive us, God. We're distractible people with lots of distractions around us. God, I'm a distracted person. And sometimes my priorities are just upside down. Lord God, we want to know what it is to follow you, to love you. God, we sing the words, they're daunting words to sing that we surrender all. Oh God, some of us have a long ways to go. Actually, all of us do. But God, we ask for your help and your strength and your grace, God, that we could say, turn to you. God, say, I I, I do want to surrender. God, I want to pray for my brothers and sisters, those here today. There's something in their lives that they are afraid to surrender. Oh Lord God, may they know the joy of your lordship in that area of their life of surrender. Oh God, may we understand what, what we, we, we struggle and we, we push away from, from that which is actually going to create life and hope in us. Oh God, today, help us taste and see that you are good. Convince us, God, of your great love. Help us never forget how holy, how amazing, how righteous you are. And God, be at work in our hearts and lives to make us that people. Make us holy. Make us lovers. Lovers of you. Lovers of others. Lovers of the unlovable. Oh God, let the love of Christ constrain us that you would get the glory. This is our prayer.